All right, here we go. Kicking off another day here at the Mountain West Conference Media Day. You heard it from Power Voice Mike Good. Day two means the coaches are on, so we're going to talk to a bunch of the coaches from around the conference. But uh, every year, it's become a little bit of a tradition. We get the uh, UNLV coach on. Why not kick off the show with Barry Odom with uh, John Von Tobel and Cofield and Mark Wellington helping us out and Angel on the scene. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Good to see you guys. Thanks to I walked by you, I feel like, a hundred times today. Finally, <laughs> good to sit down and yeah. say hi. So we're going to talk a lot of football in a couple of minutes, but I'm going to start off in goofy fashion because we have an important question for you. Okay. Um, one, John, you had pointed out yesterday you really enjoyed the uh, the meet and greet that we had at a local restaurant. Oh yeah. You yeah. got you know you talked to us kind of you know um, develop, a, develop a relationship with the media. That was that was nice. I appreciated that. Let's be honest, you fed us. That was the only reason you guys showed up. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. But you know, we brought we had a, we have a story we got to run by you. Oh, uh, no. no, no, it's, it's okay. a good one. Um, Mark and Mark will remember this. So one of the former basketball coaches, one of my favorite guys, I like him a lot, Marvin Menzies. So Marvin back in the day, and I don't know if you remember this, Mark, but Marvin had a media barbecue at his house. Okay. And John and I, 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 I didn't go. Um, I wasn't famous be, enough yet because I was just kind of like it's a little bit. It's like it's maybe too much of an intrusion, and okay. John wasn't really in the fold yet. Um, down the road, a couple of years from now, will you hold a barbecue for us for the rest of the, for us and the rest of the media? Are you comfortable with that? Do you think it'll work? It'll work. Okay. Um, I may be. I don't know. I'm going area of the country. It'll be one of the best barbecues you've ever been to. Okay. Give me give me a grill. Give me the. You're going to do it. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Just get it catered. No. Hell, You're going to cook? Heck no. Why would you do that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the thing. I, I feel like you need to run this by the boss of the house. Because we know the boss of every house is. Are you sure the uh, significant other is going to be cool with this? Well, let's see if she's listening real quick. Hang on. We'll get it right. worked out. <laughs> no. That, unfortunately or fortunately for her, we've been married 23 years. And undisputed, uncontested, undenied, heavyweight champion, of our house is her, not even close. Um, but there's been so many people I've brought to the house over the years, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, hey, tomorrow night we're going to have 35 players over to the house, and uh think we can get this done. Like, yeah, bring them on. So we can make this work. Players are one thing, though. Like, yeah. un- unwashed media members is another thing. <laughs> and one of the things that stuck out to us when we talked about it, we have a colleague that showed up to the dinner but probably didn't go to any UNLV basketball games. So Marvin Menzies just had this dude at his <laughs> house that ultimately he had no idea who he was. And he, he tweeted at us yesterday. He's like, oh, his wife made uh, Osabuco, and then there was, like, gator bites. I'm like, and you just went and never went to a game? <laughs> There will be some stipulations built okay. in. Okay. Somehow, yeah. some way, we'll get this right. done. I got yeah. another one for you. What will happen if we come over and we damage something? I'll give you a quick story. I tell goofy stories on the air. Um, I like shooting the basketball in a pool, right? Okay. If you, have, you have a pool, you get a the nice basket. I was over at a friend's house the other day, and a couple of guys ripped down his rim. Mm. They start dunking. I'm like, no, we're just it's light shooting. Like I'm 50-plus. I don't want to be dunking. I mean, what happens at a Barry Odom function if someone screws up? You know, it's like breaking a toilet seat. I, by the way, I had someone come over and break my toilet seat one time. So I, I like, I don't do parties anymore. We should compare stories. Okay, has you had right. some, some raves at your place? You have uh, the amount of years we've been in recruiting and the number of people through the house. 
and some of the things you just shake your but you got to grin and bear it because I mean there were recruits parents and you're like what are you going to do get mad right, at them right, right start screaming at them yeah you're like well that's why we work. didn't that's why my son didn't commit <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, I don't right. know if I wanted your son after that <laughs> after the way you well, behaved here's Probably. a real question gatherings like that do you let them eat off your actual plates or do you get plastic and paper yeah, you no, got Real deal. I mean, they're they're in the house. They're wow. welcome guests. So better man than me. I mean, I hope everyone listening right now gets this. This is a very high character individual running the UNLV football program. Much higher than John and I. Oh no, no we, we, I'm not coach material. You're, hey, you are who you hang out with, right? <laughs> that's well. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. All right. So for you, you've done media days before. You know, you're the head coach at. Mizzou. Um, what do you think of this one? You know, kind of making the rounds, the media, yeah. the questions they're asking. I, I thought uh, yesterday we had a chance to get together all the head coaches and the commissioner and, and have a good media, two-hour meeting. Uh, we had dinner last night together. Uh, uh, that's all great stuff. The, the organization of today, uh, very well done. I thought the city of Vegas embraced this. It looked to me like there's branding on the outside uh, Circuit has done a great job on on promoting it. When you pull up, you you know what's going on here, and it seems like the space works pretty favorable. So um, excited to be a part of it, and um, I don't know where they're having it next year, but I don't know why not here. What's the question most commonly asked by the media, especially uh, out of market media? Um, typically about Doug, about our quarterback. You know, how's he doing? You know, what's your favorite restaurant in Vegas? Um, what about the heat? You know how? You know, same stuff. Were you ready with a restaurant? Um, I gave some general answer that probably wasn't okay. the truth. All right, so it sounds like this is the best interview so far. <laughs> um, Maybe we'll see how it goes. So, what, what's the Italian place? We didn't. We talked about it earlier. Not what you, you said, Maggiano's. I said I was about to say, but got interrupted. Uh, Piero's. Yeah, That's the second Piero's, mention yeah. today. Woo! Yeah, second mention yeah. we got on Piero's. Timmy Chang. I've been there um, twice. That's Vegas. Both times were off the charts. It's Vegas. I went back and sit in Tark's room and took in some good. That's it. Any place that Tark loved, you need to love, or you you probably will love. It was uh, great food, great service. And and sit back, it was kind of the scene was awesome. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, is this your first time meeting some of the other head coaches? Like, uh, how does that go do you, when you, you know, come we into had, the conference? We had meetings in um, Phoenix or Scottsdale back in May. Okay. So that's the first time. We, we've had uh, Zoom meetings every month since I've been on the job. So, you know, that interaction has been there since January. Uh, but then in person um, for the, those meetings, um, those were two-day meetings there. So, yeah, not, not the first time. Barry Adams with Cofield and Company. So when they ask you about Brumfield, uh, what do you tell them just in terms of his buy-in and his leadership? Yeah. I think you look at what Doug has done. Um, when we started a, you know, one of the first meetings, we talked about how to be durable and how to continue to play and improve your game. One of those things, physically, I need, I think, along with Jeff Fish, our director of strength and conditioning, we need to add some body weight. And I don't want to take away from your speed. You're going to be faster. You're going to be quicker. But you need to add some weight on your frame. He's done up 17 to 19 pounds, which is good, favorable. Um, The ability for him to learn the offense and understand the reasons for the play calls, I think that has improved greatly from when we started. Obviously, over time, that's going to happen. And then I've seen in the times that we've been around now in summer with some of our summer workouts, 
He's been a little more vocal in his leadership, which is awesome. And every leader is different, but the quarterback position is even different than that. We need those guys in that position uh, to be great leaders. And sometimes that takes vocally becoming that guy. On the weight gain, how do you gain 17 to 19 in healthy fashion? What's more important, your weight work or the diet? Um, I would say for him, a combination of both. Right now for him, calories are, are key because he is working out at such a high level. I've tried to give him like 20 of my pounds. Hasn't worked. Um, but he has really has embraced the weight room. And I, I don't know if he did or did not before we got here. But uh, he's done a great job making strides in that area. With all of our team physically, we, we look better uh, than when we started in January. I think we're trying I – don't, I don't really – you know, if you bench press 600 pounds and you can't play football, okay, what's that matter? So I'm trying to get efficient football players' functional movement and strength. And our guys have really made a lot of areas of gain in that in that way. How, how does having a player like Doug help in terms of you taking over the program? He was at your introductory press conference. Does yeah. having a leader like that help make the transition smoother? Oh, huge. You look at the leadership of the team, what was there, what has been developed since then, really what that looks like, and he's been there every step of the way, which is awesome. And um, I think we've got a, little, a lot of really good leaders. It's going to continue to develop. Once we start fall camp, I will begin, uh, along with a couple of other staff members, we'll have leadership meetings, and we'll take some of those guys that have already put themselves in that position that are looked at as leaders, and then we'll grab a couple other guys out of each class because of how important that is. And I, I don't want it just to be a senior or junior-led group. I want to teach some of the freshmen on what leadership really looks like and getting all those guys in a room together. That's a fun part of building a team. It's the voice of Barry Odom. He's here at Circa at Mountain West Conference Media Days. Stick around for five. We've got to pay some bills. We'll come back. We'll get into uh, more of the changes during the offseason. I want to remind people that, listen, I, I, I would love to talk to you for hours. We don't have the time on, on our regular show. We do have the Barry Odom radio show, which is going to start up on August 30th, every week. I hope you know about this. Uh, every week, Wednesdays, Wednesday, 6 o'clock start, Parkway Tavern, 215 and Flamingo. So we'll have an hour to break down UNLV football uh, every single week. August 30th is the first show. Now back to Cofield and Company from the Mountain West Conference Media Day. JVT is here. It is Cofield. Barry Odom joining us for a few more minutes. We appreciate him giving us all this time. John, you... I want you to go wherever you want to go here because okay. I have a, a billion directions we can go in. But you're the star of the show with Coach. I am? Yeah, why not? Well, if we do that, then I'm going to talk about, like, a bunch of ridiculous things. So <laughs> I don't know if you want me to do that. I figured you'd start going down the analytics path because we, uh, you know, you and I got heavily into PFF and the graded college players and especially positions that people don't grade normally. Well, I guess if we're, if we're going to go down that path because I think analytics are something different than a, a site like a pro football focus. Right, because analytics is more driven by you know different things like uh, you know, DVOA or EPA, all those sort of things. Uh, are those things that you factor in when you're talking about the results that your teams have? Are you going to get more into those things? I think there's a fine line on using that information to help your team. We've done a number of studies off season. Every place that I've been, either you subscribe to some of that or, or you don't. What has changed for me in the last couple of years, the third and fourth down, go for it, don't go for it, right? A number of teams we played last year, um, first down was first down, second down, second down. 
third down was almost treated like second down and then fourth down, third down. So a, a team, in my opinion, the coordinators have a DNA. Are they going to – is is third and seven or in their mind, are they always thinking, hey, this is two downs, you know, we're going to go try to get half of it and then fourth and three go for it. So more than anything, looking at that from that scope, seeing how many plays you're going to have to defend as fourth down plays. Um and then also for us, the margin of error, I think, is is thin. So we're going to have to take some chances on extending drives. I'm not going to say that we're going forward on every fourth down, but within reason, taking some of the human element out of it and say numbers say fourth and one, our team knows line up and we're going for it. From your perspective defensively, football seems to be evolving more from hey, you know, between the 20s and something else, but red zone obviously is extremely important, and there's a lot of the – we use the phrase bend but don't break when it comes to defense. How much harder is it defensively the way the football is played now, and is there more of an importance? Red zone's always important. You don't get that wrong, but more of an emphasis on that red zone because that's more important. It is hugely important, but then where does the red zone start, right? It used to be, well, it's a 20-yard line in. Now it's not – every game plan now that I've taken uh, in the last few years – you know, again, coordinators are different. Where do they start changing their play calling a little bit? Is it inside the 30? Is it the 18-yard line? Where is it? And what's that look like? Um, so a lot of off-season studies on those things, uh, trying to get not only looking at the roster of each team, but then let's look at the coordinator. Let's get a book on those guys on kind of having a step ahead when we get into the week preparation where instead of this cramming it all into six days, now we're using some of the off-season time that we've had. Barry Odoms with us. Uh, let's talk defense and, the, and the, the style change, and we got to see some of it in the spring. So I, I probably pointed it out to you and lots of others. When I'm at spring practice, I'm like, there's 22 or 23 defensive backs. This, this is crazy. <laughs> and then you shuffled some of them. Some of them left, and it wasn't like, hey, let's get down to 16. Then there were more coming in, right, like, like Jawan Claiborne. Um, explain to the audience and football fans out there like what you guys are going to try to do and why that back end is so important in terms of versatility and also making plays i think on every level yeah the 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 way that they've that you try to work defensively is from the front back okay that's not what you're talking you're talking about the defensive backs okay they're not just pass defenders they're structurally in our defense they are in the run fit so there's always going to be an edge of the defense. Is it a defensive end or is it one of your overhang players? Boundary safety, field safety, nickel, what does that look like? Um, I think there's a lot of value in having position versatility and being able to play a lot of spots on the back end. Ultimately, you want your 11 best players on the field. You want speed on the field to be able to populate the ball. If we can eliminate explosive plays, if we can create takeaways, if we can live in the world of getting an offense behind the sticks, sacks, tackle for losses, making sure that we win first down, then you've got a chance to play good defensive football. There's times in my career that we've been really good in all those areas, and we've been a good defensive team. There's been times recently that we've missed on the takeaways, the um, some things on first down, and ultimately, that's the formula for us playing good defense on how we play structurally. And there's been times that we haven't done it. We've missed on one or two of those categories. We haven't been a very good defensive team. So I feel like I know the benchmarks on what we need to hit to get there. And then structurally, how do you piece together 
not only the skill set that you have, but then trying to find ways to get guys that are good run defenders but also have tremendous speed on the field. We were, t- we were talking with uh, Naki Vahina yesterday. Uh, can you explain to us a little bit more about the role of what a defensive line is going to be like in this defense and also how that kind of symbiotically matches up with what a defender is going to do as a DB yeah. and as a linebacker? I want them to play aggressive and try to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. The linebackers need to make those guys right, and then ultimately the third-level guys – They've got to catch it all, and they've got to fit. So um, the defensive line, not as much knowing where the guys behind them fit, but linebackers and DBs are tied together. Okay, If you're spilling the ball, then we've got to have an overplaying player, overhang player that fits it to the outside. Um, you know where your strength and your help is. I want you to play aggressive and play on their side. The next level is going to clean it up. When you're recruiting up front, Right, because you can only make over the roster so much, and you've got a mix of interesting players on the defensive line. You got short, you know, super strong dudes, and you got longer guys. Yeah. Ideally, what are you trying to recruit to from a measurable standpoint, or is there still room for a mix of you know big and small guys, speed guys, power guys? Yeah, I think we're, we'll always have an adjustment of what our roster is, but traditionally, if I'm putting together a recruiting class of 25, we're going to oversign on the O line and D line. Defensively, that's the question. I'm going to sign guys that can play the three technique, the shade, and the, and the one. Those are a little bit interchangeable. The guys on the outside, I would like to have two to three that can play a four-eye or a five, and then I want some guys athletically enough to stand up and play at an outside linebacker or jack-buck position, typically into the boundary in our defensive system. So where is the guy? I, I think, and you can argue with this, I guess, I think the, the most naturally talented, twitchy guy on the line is probably Dixon. But where does he, you know, he's not a gigantic guy. Where does he kind of fit yeah. in in a, in a 3-3-5? Which is great for him because he's got such versatility because I think we can get mismatches with him. We can stand him up at times. We can cover everybody else up and put him over the center. He's been able to do some of those things and trying to find ways to give him an advantage because of the way that he is. Quick twitch, fast movements, uh, good change of direction. Some of those things are a little more position-specific that he can fit. When do you feel settled here? I feel like everything's going 1,000 miles an hour. I'm not in your shoes, but like coming up, I think it's such a daunting task for you guys and then several other programs when you sit down with people and are like, oh, we have 35 new guys in. We have 40 guys in. We have 27 new guys in. And then you start off getting ready for the season. You had spring, you had a little bit of summer, but now it's go time, and you've got four and a half weeks to discover who can do what, can the guy, because guys weren't here in the spring. Like, this is nuts to me. Yeah, it's, I think a little bit experience for me has helped me out more than anything. The understanding of what we have coming out of spring ball, the areas we really need to address in fall camp, but then also the work that these guys have done, um, I'm proud of them what they've done up to this point because everything that I've, we have laid out in front of them, they've went and attacked it and, and given everything that they've got to try to be a winning football team. Um, we got a long ways to go, but, but I'm excited about this group. I'm excited about I think we can make progress each week. I'm excited about what it looks like, team continuity. I'm excited about some of the leaders um, taking control of the locker room taking control of the standard and the expectation of what we want the program to be. Um, I'm excited to be this group's coach. 
We're still trying to learn more about the go-go, and I don't know that I'll ever understand it because it's just, it, it looks very complicated to me. Um, can, can a power guy come in and can a f- true freshman come in and in five or six weeks, that's a little longer than that because they've been with the program, actually be plugged in early in the season on the offensive line? Yeah, I think so. And the one challenge, one of the challenges I've had for our coaching staff, I really, once we get a kid on campus, I'm taking the year off of his name. I, I don't care if he's a senior or a freshman. It's our job to get him ready to go play. And I, I don't care if he's a freshman and he's and we do a good enough job coaching him, then he ought to be in position to play winning football. So years, I'm all for experience. I like that. But I don't. I want to play as many guys as we can if we can get them to the level of playing winning football. So as you're building the program, you go out recruiting. I've noticed some of the commits and a lot of the offers. Uh, these are pockets where I assume you recruited in the past, right, at, at Mizzou and Arkansas. So we're talking Texas. You, know, you got. Uh, you, looks like you did some good work in the Kansas City area. Um, what do you pitch? Because like, I'm sure it's a, a kind of a fresh thing. Like UNLV, yeah, right. what are you pitching? Well, number one, I want to recruit Las Vegas. That is our home. That's where we've got to make a lot of ground up. There's really good football players here. There's really good high school coaches. And that's number one priority for me. We've got to continue to do that. We're off to a really good start in 2024 in the city. We've got to continue to do that. Okay, Why do we do that? There's good enough players here to win, in my opinion, to win a championship here. Okay, That also continues to get investment from the city and our program, the program into the city. It works together. It's going to get people in Allegiant. We need guys and families and donors and supporters and people of Las Vegas. We need to turn it into a home field advantage. Okay, Buy your season tickets. That is part of the plan on getting this program where it needs to be. We're also, in my opinion, you look at there's one Vegas in the world. You can get to Vegas from a flight in Dallas-Fort Worth to Vegas direct for about $48. We can recruit that area. We can recruit Houston, recruit Kansas City. For 23 years, I've recruited, and our staff, for the most part, has recruited that area of the country. There's really good football there. There's good players that fit for us. The opportunity to come to UNLV uh, to write our legacy together, that's a selling point. That's a pitch that they can come in. Um, They've got an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done. And that's a big part of it. They step onto our campus. They see the campus. They go in for Tita. They get to Allegiant. Those things are unmatched. And I'm not going to take a back seat to anybody when it comes to recruiting. Do you find that when you're recruiting for, you know, players outside of the state, are there still reservations about what Las Vegas is as a city? You look at some of those opportunities. Yeah. You know, what is Vegas known for? I was here a number of times before I took the job. I didn't know it was anything besides the strip, right? So it's an education piece on, look, oh, yeah, it's like a real town, right? You've got grocery stores and post office and neighborhoods, and it's a beautiful city, a wonderful place. And uh, I think more than anything, it's an educational piece on, yes, there's that part of it. It's also the sports mecca of the world. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Well, I was just going to say it because I would think – because there's two ways to look at it. There's if you're a straight straight up Vegas person like me, I was raised out here, and you're pitching it to somebody like, well, of course you think that you're from here. Yeah. I would think there's a comfort 
and somebody who well, you know isn't exactly from here pitching that like no look I've been out here sure it's a lot different than you think it is and, and I like it out here you know what I'm saying absolutely and there there is a narrative there that people will use against us mm-hmm. with that uh, that's very narrow minded so you know the opportunity to be able to sell the city of Las Vegas I've it's been fun for me last one uh, you took a vacation you you made it public by uh, tweeting it out there so I'll, I'll mention it um, what do you get out of a trip to uh, Italy it was unbelievable we got a chance to take our three kids my wife and i took our three kids um we tried to go in 2020 you know something happened that year we couldn't go 21 we still couldn't travel um and then couldn't get away in 22 and finally we decided we're going to do this before our kids like get out of the house for good we better do it so we did and uh flew to rome and rented a car and took off and it was unbelievable it's great family opportunity and time unbelievable food i was gonna go yeah yeah and uh some of the things historically uh the coliseum and some of the different things that we were just able to see i i never thought i would ever have an opportunity to do something like that i mean i i flew one time growing up i was six years old and we flew to california for a funeral the next time I flew was on a plane was my first away game as a freshman in college. Wow. So to be able to go and do something like that, you go and we toured the Vatican. I mean, life-changing for me. Very cool. I was going to ask, is there an Italian dish that you had up there that you thought was authentic when you were eating it here in the United States that was completely different out there? <laughs> I don't know. Things, um, <laughs> I mean, the foods here is amazing. Right. It's really good. I don't know if it was the air. Yeah. I don't know if it was the lemonade. <laughs> Food is really good there. I mean, like everything's homemade, yes. right, or made there right in front of the pizza. Let me tell off the chart. I've got a list I'm going to send to you guys. Okay, good. Okay. It just, like, I would eat it, and I'd be like, man, that's the best ever. And then it go the next day to a different spot, and I'm like, no, wait, that's better than yesterday was. Yeah. So it was awesome. Uh, we're up against it. We appreciate your time. So this is a good look ahead or a good tease. Everyone remember this. Uh, about 30 days from now, we'll probably do about 10 minutes on uh, Italy on the Barry Odom radio show. So we'll, uh, I've got bullet point notes. Yes, yeah, so you'll be ready to go. Be awesome. we'll, yeah. Item by item. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. Back yep. to the studio. We'll come back in about 15. Well, we're going to come back sooner than that. But in 15 minutes, Xavier Pope will join us. Now back to Cofield and Company at Circa Resort and Casino from the Mountain West Conference Media Day. So Barry Odom on for about uh, 20 minutes there. If you want to react or you have any questions, 69187-69187 is the text line that's up and running. Keyword ESPN. Damon is the traffic cop on the text line. Damon, I'm sorry. There are times we get uh, fixated on the interview subject. Did you want to chime in with something? I will file it away. Maybe we can answer it, but I'll also file it away for the coach's show. He's Sorry, right there. Man. I can yell it at him, right? Uh, no, nope. it's just going to be um, – I, I remember we had um, – I think it was the running back coach a few weeks ago, and it was just going to be after you asked the D-line question about any specific skills that, hey, I want to really impress Coach Odom. Maybe yeah. if my game tape isn't doing it enough, if you're a D-lineman, let's say, hey, sending him a video of me dunking a basketball or of someone, you know, just any skills. Like, look at my footwork because I was also an all-state soccer player or something like that. Were you talking about yourself there? <laughs> no, not, no, not at all. Oh, just in general. I'm like, wait, yeah. are you? Because I found out we found out on the show a couple weeks ago, not even last week, that uh, 
the mom was like this close to being Steph Curry in golf because he was JV golf team in high school. <laughs> That's right. And then I was like, wait, are you a great soccer player as well? So essentially you're pitching what video do you send Barry Odom to get onto the team, Damon? Is that what you're asking? I mean, yeah, 27. I still got some years of eligibility left. Right. <laughs> I mean, I never graduated, so I could be like that 44-year-old. What was it, North Carolina State? Yeah. They let him oh. take a snap at running back? Yep. Oh. So Pac-12's here in town. Uh, you were just talking to your buddy Brett McMurphy, who's now with what, Action Network? Yes. And he's going to be at Pac-12. I think I'm going to go over to Pac-12 tomorrow. I have no idea what's going to happen because I, 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 I can't process the information around the Pac-12 and their TV deal. So I think it was Brett who – it was. Yesterday, there are some chancellors and presidents in the Pac-12 who talk, I think, too much. Okay. I wonder what they think of the Colorado chancellor who's, who's been – he actually he kind of backed up the conference and, and you know was trying to put out the fire on the Big Twelve energy there right there hey, we're going to go to the Big Twelve and he's like I am confident that the TV money here with the Pac twelve in the end is going to be bigger than the Big Twelve and people are like come on bro maybe he's right but uh, Phil De Stefano told the uh, Denver Post that the new media partnerships are expected to be presented to league chancellors and presidents today. Mm-hmm. By George Klyavkov, who is the commissioner and a former MGM resorts guy. Uh, Stefano said, quote, I'm eagerly awaiting uh, to hear what the commissioner has to say. Would you, would you have this meeting before media day? Yes. You would? Wouldn't you? So you, would, so you want to get, you're basically you're trying to feed them good information so then it comes downhill and then there's a good vibe tomorrow at media day? Yeah, 100%. Okay, what if the, the presentation is not good? What if it's a, hey, here's a reality check. I couldn't get what I thought I could get. I got to run that risk. Okay. You're always uh, going to fluff the numbers. Well, then it must be good. Yeah. Right? It has to be good. The news must be good. He would not tell the leaders of the conference at these schools the info if it was going to be negative. You don't go yeah. into a media day with negative information. Yeah. That's so, knock on wood, remember that. Cut this. Guys. Guys, we, if you. we get over there tomorrow, there's a report at right. you know five o'clock in the morning that, um, yeah, they've 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 made a deal, and uh, I don't know what would be like the main carrier. I don't want to hammer anyone. But Ion, yeah, it would be Ion is the main carrier, and each school will get twelve million dollars a year. Yeah. Oops, <laughs> guys. <laughs> right. Actually, uh, before we get to media day, I just want to let you know this is a nightmare. We don't know what's happening. But you know what? Don't talk about it. Yeah. Be very positive. I do think we're going to add something big. Like, we're going to find a way to get you another $35 million a year. We're working on something big. <laughs> what if that's just the whole presentation? That's the whole thing? We're working on something big, guys. All right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. got to talk some TV. we got to talk some sports TV on the way back. A couple of legal issues as well. And, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't like this. Uh, these reports coming out that uh, the feds really want to get involved in NIL and some kind of restrictions and law that bothers me. Xavier Pope is up next. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company. Xavier up here in about uh, 30 seconds. Giveaway, though. Demond's going to take care of you. 364-1100, 364-1100. We have the uh, IFL, the Indoor Football League's championship game here coming up on August 5th, 1 o'clock. Dollar Loan Center. You can get your tickets at AXS.com, but Damon is going to gift you with uh, two tickets right now for the national championship game in the IFL. Call her 736-4100 and 
Devon will tell you about uh, your chance to win premium tickets on the sideline. But uh, you get you're in you're in with the two tickets for sure. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero. Xavier Pope out of Chicago is with us. Xavier, what are you up to, my friend, on this Thursday? Hey, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful day in the middle of the summer. You know, I, I get you not in, in what you, mean, you guys know about that, but Chicago, so it's summertime shy. Pitchfork Festival is coming up this weekend. Wait, repeat that again because you cut out a little bit. What festival? Oh, the Pitchfork Festival. Okay. Like a festival a- of actual pitchforks? No. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> <No>, it- <laughs> We've never heard of it. That, right. I mean, based on what we're going to be talking about later, that's definitely a place that I don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it's, 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 Chicago is a city of tons of festivals. You have a million festivals here. Um, and you just can't you can't run a really awesome pl- things to do in places to be in the city. So it's, a, it's a great place to be in the summertime. All right, uh, that's why you call it the summertime shop. Good deal. Yeah, three day festival. Um, I'm a big fan of Big Thief. I, okay, I, I made that up. I have no, I have no idea. I have no, John looked at me. He's like, "No, you're not. Cut it out." Um, festivals are awesome though. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. <laughs> well, they're free here too, which is really cool. Oh, okay. like, a lot of cities don't have. But okay. some are, you pay for them, but there are a lot that are free in Chicago. Well, oh, I'll, I'll tell you what's not free, and that is uh, building a really good college football or college basketball program on the uh, men's side. you got to spend money. And NIL is just driving coaches nuts. I love what's going on right now. The kids are sharing in the monies, and why not? And it's more of the kids now sharing in the monies because, you know, big stars in the past always get uh, always got payoffs. What do we think of the feds really proposing getting involved in NIL? I, I, I don't like it at all. Uh, it, 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 the reason why I don't like it, it is for the purpose and the, the restrictions that they are seeking to get involved in. Yeah, we know it doesn't address it doesn't address uh, revenue sharing. It doesn't address uh, particularly whether the status of student athletes as employees or not. Big issue with the National Labels Relations Board and and and, and the issues are brought by uh, Ken Coulter. Uh, I, I think that. Still putting situations where it looks sort of like a collective bargaining when it's not actually collective bargain, and then you are establishing the rights of these athletes when a lot of these different aspects of what they are are still up in the air, are still being resolved on a legal standpoint. I think it's premature by Congress, number one. And number two, it takes away some of the powers the athletes that they just gained to be able to advocate for themselves and potentially eventually organize to be able to even give themselves better deals. Boy, this is interesting. So on one end, uh, this could be a positive. They're going to have a board on something called the College Athletics Corporation. This is not done. This is a bill proposal. The CAC will have 15 board directors, one-third of which must, uh, must be current athletes or those who played in the previous 10 seasons. All right, so that's a decent step, right, Xavier? I mean, you're basically – pretty much rewriting what the NCAA is and then turning into yeah. something that's controlled by the government. I, I don't like it. Sorry, okay. Steve. I don't. I'm, you know, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be open to it a little bit, but I got to tell you, um, I, I mean, I guess there, there, does there need to be full disclosure? I don't like language like athletes must disclose their endorsement contracts to designated university employee. Uh, recruits must share copies of their NIL contracts. I think you've got too many people with their, you know, with their beaks in 
athletes business and, and i'll give you a good example um i don't know are people mad about angel reese if she makes north of a million and a half dollars two million dollars that's what she's earned and yeah lsu has helped give her that platform but we're going to do what put up guardrails and try to restrict what the free market can give to an athlete as influential as angel reese and you just mentioned that lsu has helped her benefit but and then you also in the same breath mentioned the free market that is one of the functions of the free market is contract, and there are two parties to each side, and both parties benefit from that transaction. So for the, the government to get involved is a restraint on trade. Uh, this is a bipartisan effect uh, that, that's been put here. And that to me, that makes it even scarier because that makes it something that mainstream America still has to come around to be able to understand that athletes right now, in terms of what they're able to do, it is different from a generation ago. What you can even do with your college degree is from a different from a generation ago. Heck, what you can even do, what the nature of work has changed over the last three years. And I don't think it's, it's, it's responsible for Congress to overstep their boundaries when there's still rights and responsibilities and how athletes are advocating for themselves are evolving in the current moment. Xavier Pope is up on Cofield & Company, attorney, host of Suit Up News, cultural contributor to Cofield & Company, you know, I often leave the show, uh, and I, I'm thinking about the show on the ride home, and then later that evening mm -hmm. I think about stuff, and I'm very critical. And I did something on Monday where I was like, you know what, I don't know why I did that. I, don't, I, don't, I want to talk about the topic, but what is the freaking point? So in true Cofield tradition, I'm going to do it again. Um, All right. So this is what I want to get to. You are a parent. You have a yep. daughter. Um, mm -hmm. We were at the WNBA All-Star Game over the weekend. It was a really good show. Mm -hmm. Three of the college stars show up. Um, it's Cameron Brink, who plays at Stanford, Deja Kelly, who's at North Carolina, and Haley Van Lith, who plays for LSU. They were dressed, I'll say, very Vegas club style. I'll say maybe scantily clad, but that would be if I were a dad. Am I wrong sticking my beak into this, being concerned about how college athletes in some ways are having to market themselves to get the max amount of money from NIL? Uh, yeah, as a man, you shut your trap about that, Steve. Yeah. Uh, when, it, when it comes to women athletes, women's sports, uh, the image of women themselves and how they uh, generally are policed, their, their appearance, uh, that, that is something that they uh, should have the responsibility to talk about. Heck, other women shouldn't be policing other, other, other women do about that. Um, they, are, they could be as sexy as they want. They could be as, as, as conservative as they want. They could be um, as colorful as they want. Uh, it, it, and men shouldn't be sticking their beaks around it at all. So, yeah. uh Zip it, Steve. Yep, uh, I knew that was going to be the response, and I thought about I thought about Xavier on the way home, and I'm like, you know what? It's not for me to police things, but there's a reality too. Hey, you know, if you wonder what you would say as a dad, um, where your standards are going to be, you know, how it works on the free market. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the response from a lot of women would be like, hey, if you have an issue with the way they're dressed, or you believe, quote unquote, they're scantily clad, that's a you problem, creepo. Uh, yeah, but it, it's, it's interesting you bring this up because. I had a, a conversation with my, my, my youngest daughter earlier today, and we were talking about her independence because she's going off to college. She's going to be at the fall in the fall. And I, I was just basically empowering her. And I said, hey, listen, if, if you feel something is in your best interest, these are decisions that you have to make. It's been my job up to this point to empower you to have the independence to make those choices for yourself. And as a young woman, those are things, decisions that you make. It's not something that should be impeded by your mother, myself, grandma, on either side, no one. This is this is you. You own your body. You own yourself, and you should be responsible for those decision and be proud of them when you make them. Yeah, you look like an old guy here. I'm looking at the pictures. <laughs> they're, they're not that bad at all. What are you talking about? It looks like they're dressed for summer. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Xavier Pope is with us. Her arms are covered. That's the important part. You can't, <laughs> you can't show the arms. Uh, now we're going way back in time. Um, what do you? First of all, this is a big day for uh, the the WFT fan, whatever they're called now, the Commanders, the former Redskins fans, um, to be liberated from Dan Snyder. I saw you send out something on Twitter about the six billion dollar sale and something something about a sixty million dollar tax. What were you discussing there? With just the, the investigation, uh, SEC, uh, into the Washington Commanders uh, and, and some of the complaints about how they've handled the organization and Dan Steiner um, having to pay up uh, $60 million. <laughs> uh, and he has to pay it. Uh, and, and this is in accordance to completing the sale. It's announced on the same day. <laughs> uh, and so Daniel Steiner, he gets all people like, oh, he's liberated from Daniel Steiner. Dude, he walks away with $6 billion. Yeah. It was a dead exception. We talked about, I've, I've talked about the dead exception. The NFL gave him to buy 100% of the franchise a long time ago. He, he was he literally walked into billions of dollars, and the NFL did not stop him, and they encouraged him, helped him, pushed him along the way. And you can't really say the guy was pushed out and he walked away with $6 billion. Uh, it, it, it goes to show you, that all the different people, the fans are going to focus on the wrong thing. Oh, Daniel Snyder no longer owns the Redskins. Who cares? This guy is chilling. $6 billion. It, it, there's no real punishment for it except for a $60 billion tax. That This is a drop in the bucket. This is a rounding error for him. Xavier Pope, up on Cofield and Company. Damon, you want to ask a question that you had about uh, Shannon Sharp and uh, Stephen A.? Yeah, I just want to ask, because with Shannon Sharp, we all know that he's on the market. Stephen A.C. even yeah. said on his new podcast, well, on the new episode that's going to drop Friday, he's going to address it. Do you think they would be a good fit? Absolutely. I, I, Stephen A. And, and Shannon would be fantastic together. I, I think their chemistry would be spectacular. I think they, even adding a third person with those two, uh, I think would, would play off really well. I think they're both um, pretty bombastic guys, but I think that Shannon is also a very, very reasonable guy in how he approaches things in the world. And I think having his insight and his humanity to kind of balance off some of the, the roughness and some of the judgmental things that you sometimes may hear from Stephen A. can, can really, really showcase in that, in that in environment. Uh, I, I'd, I'd love to see it. I mean, hopefully people look at it and don't say, oh, we need to have a white guy versus a black guy, which I think is a dumb format. They have just, just, just have that. But maybe have two African American guys facing each other, talking, having these conversations that get 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 people fired up, talk to, uh, and and lead conversations in sport. Xavier, we got a uh, time for one more question. Uh, I'm sure, sure you're aware of both of these stories, both from the country music world. You want to talk about Miranda Lambert and how she treated some of her fans, or do we talk about Jason Aldean and this small town song that seems to have Let's a lot of people upset? Which one? Let's go to the small town. Okay. Uh, try that in a small town. Okay, um, I had heard this. Yeah, I'd heard the song before. Is is the biggest issue with the song or the video? I think it's a combination of both. Uh, the imagery of uh, "Don't try that in a small town." We got we're going to pull out guns, uh, and we were trained how to use guns, and then showing protests and some of them not even happening in America uh, <laughs> to show that you're going to attack protesters as vigilante, this uh, this Kyle Rittenhouse behavior. Uh, and and, and it, it explicitly is racist. Uh, it, it's not something that should be fostered or cheered for and be a part of uh, our, our social discourse right now. But grifting for racism seems to be uh, a profitable uh, thing these days, unfortunately. Um, 
I'll be insensitive. I'll, I'll also throw out there, I like singers who talk about being tough guys. And I know it was an incredibly, like, howering experience as uh, Jason Aldean was at the music festival here when the lunatics start spraying a crowd, you know, with shots. Uh, he couldn't run off that stage fast enough. And I'm not saying he needed to, like, charge at him and puff out his chest. But, you know, if we're going to be tough guy here, I'm not sure what he should have done there. If it spent five seconds on the mic and say, get the hell out of here, yeah. don't panic, you know, try to leave order. I don't know what he should have done. But I do. I, I, these are cases where we saw him in public act one way, and then he's singing about being a tough guy. I mean, Kid Rock is another example of a guy that would want to be a cowboy. The guy's from Michigan. Uh, and so uh, it just goes to show you that the people think that show, the displaying and profiting off the fears, the, the insecurities of a certain part of the country, uh, it seems to be something that people tend to do more now, and it seems to be more acceptable now because there's a marketplace for it. But I think it's disgusting. Xavier, we appreciate it. We're up against it. You have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Love you guys.